the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. You won't find many prognosticators who think Florida will defeat LSU when the two teams meet in Baton Rouge on Saturday. The Gators come in after a demoralizing loss against Arkansas in overtime. Meanwhile, LSU took a tough loss to Alabama. The Gators enter the game against the Tigers as 13-point underdogs. Do they stand a chance against the heavily favored Tigers? Or can they get a signature win for Coach Billy Napier? And how badly does LSU need this win? To answer these questions and more, I welcome in Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser in Lafayette, Louisiana, and Kevin Brockway of the Gainesville Sun. These two beat writers do a great job covering their respective teams, and they'll be here in just a moment to tell us what they've been seeing. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Cokie Riley has been covering the Tigers for the past two seasons after graduating from Arizona State in 2021. Kevin Brockway is a Gator grad who has covered the Gators on and off for many years. Let's bring them in now. Cokie, welcome to your first appearance on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And Kevin, seems like we've been talking a lot lately. Welcome back yet again. Thank you, uh, Tim. Tim, and uh, It's good to be on with Cokie again. We spent some time together during the College World Series in uh, Omaha, and uh, that was an interesting experience, of course, with uh, Florida and LSU duking it out and uh, LSU uh, coming out on top for their sixth national title. Alrighty, well, we'll find out if you guys think we'll have a similar football result here, but we'll get to that later on. Let's not let's not jump ahead. But Koki, I'm going to start with you this week. Let's take a look at that. Uh, you know, that was a tough loss to Alabama last week. It's 28-28 in the second half. Jaden Daniels gets a concussion. Just talk about that game. What Daniels' status might be for this game, and uh, you know, just ha- how big a game was that against Alabama this past weekend? Yeah, it was a um, pretty big game uh, I probably don't have to tell our audience that um <laughs> uh but I, I guess just as for Daniels's uh status for this game um uh, Kelly said today that he is day-to-day uh with a head injury uh he was in concussion protocol and was taken out of the Alabama game um because of that uh he did enter the game briefly after he got hit though which was pretty weird given that he again came out because of concussion protocol afterwards um kind of want to figure out what the heck happened there uh so yeah that's kind of the status of Jaden. it sounds like he's day-to-day um but again i wouldn't be surprised at all at all if he's not available and uh, lsu has to go to garrett nussmeyer all righty well kevin you know in florida's loss they lose to arkansas in overtime they were down two touchdowns in less than two minutes they were able to battle back but then lose it in overtime what happened there against what was at the time a two and six razorbacks yeah, just a combination of breakdowns, obviously, you know, Ricky Pearsall, the early turnover. Um, but then, you know, they got a turnover back in the third quarter and then a sudden change at a quick play, a touchdown pass. So that kind of balanced itself out during the course of the game. But really a lot of, uh, you know, miscues against special teams, proving costly, a botched extra point, which proved uh, really costly in the third quarter. Instead of making a four-point game, it was a three-point game. Arkansas could tie late with a field goal. 
Florida had a chance for a game-winning field goal. It was pushed back five yards on an illegal substitution penalty when you had uh, the uh, field goal unit racing out the field at the same time the offense was trying to spank the ball. So more confusion on the sidelines in a season that we've seen a lot of it. And, you know, Billy Napier was was asked more questions about it. Uh, he kind of clarified that it wasn't a player signal, that it was eventually a coach's call and that uh, he has the ultimate responsibility there. But uh, you know, some sloppy football, which, uh, you know, ha- has the fan base uh, obviously uh, frustrated right now at this point. And uh, definitely a-, a winnable game they they let slip away. And really, you know, probably their best chance for a win to uh, clinch ball eligibility. Now it's going to be a really tough road with, uh, you know, three straight ranked teams, two on the road at night with LSU and Missouri. All right. Yeah, we're going to talk about those a little bit coming up. And, you know, after that game, some of the questions Billy was getting, you could definitely tell he was getting a little bit more frustrated or upset than he normally even gets because he's usually pretty even keeled. But, you know, that was a, a bad penalty that, that ultimately cost the game. But let's move on to this weekend's upcoming game. And Koki, as we mentioned, Jaden Daniels with that concussion. But let's say he does play. He's six foot four, 210 pounds little slighter than you might like, but I'm sure he'll put on a little weight as he uh, continues to get older. But what will he do that will give the Gators trouble? And then let's say he doesn't play. Tell us a little bit about Garrett Nussmeyer and what he does well. Yeah, um, what can't Jaden Daniels do well that can uh, put Florida in trouble? (laughs) He can do a little bit of everything, honestly. And um, I'm not just saying that about Florida's defense, which hasn't been very good this season. I'm just saying he's done that to every defense this season. He's just been one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country because his downfield accuracy and uh, willingness to throw throw the ball deep, especially has greatly improved since last season. We already know how good of a runner he is and um, sort of combine those two things uh, and put that together with, you know, some uh, better consistency with his accuracy. And all of a sudden you have, again, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And um, it's not just what Daniels can do. It's also what this ru- what this traditional running game can do. They didn't play very well against Alabama, but, you know, it's hard to run the ball consistently against Alabama. But uh, when they get their running game going, they're really unstoppable because um, they, they can uh, they can beat you up in the middle with Logan Diggs and, you know, force you to crash down that safety and not play cover two as often. And they can also beat you over the top. Um, uh, with the likes of Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, and um, and obviously they already had the intermediate and short game going um a- after last season. So this is just a really really well rounded offense that has a lot of weapons, and uh, Daniels has been uh definitely the center of uh the the main reason as to why it's all worked. And as for Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, different quarterback obviously in terms of uh, not as athletic and dynamic as a runner in space. Um, but he's still a pretty good athlete who can extend some plays with his legs and has an even better arm than Daniels does. And his willingness and aggressiveness to throw the ball on the field has never been an issue for him. Um, and uh, I think that's definitely uh, going to be something that Florida is going to have to watch out for in this game. Just Nussmeyer's uh, aggressiveness and ability to really throw the ball deep because he has a heck of an arm and, and, and definitely like a gunslinger mentality at the quarterback position. Yeah, and if that name sounds familiar to people, his father was a coach at Florida at one point. So um, the Nussmeyer name will be familiar to some of those in Gainesville. Now, Kevin, let's say Jaden Daniels does play, but of course, Brian Kelly's going to want to protect him a little bit. Florida's tackling has just been bad. So do they just try and use Logan Diggs to run it down their throat? Because he and Daniels both have about 650 yards rushing this year. 
Yeah, the run defense, as you know, has really regressed beginning with the Kentucky game. Uh, certainly Ray Davis exposed that and the fact that uh, now you're without Shamar James uh, for the rest of the season, who's your leading tackler. And, and that certainly showed in the Arkansas game. They were able to you know, run it for uh, about 220 yards or so in that game. Um, yards per carry also 4.8, you know, in that game. And it's probably been well over five a carry since the Kentucky game. Um, so it's, it's been a big concern and, and, uh, you know, what are the answers? Uh, it's hard to say at this point. I mean, Cam Jackson did not play also in that Arkansas game. He certainly would have, would have helped if, if he's healthier. I think that will help with the defensive tackle rotation. Um, but, uh, yeah, they are going to have to get, uh, you know, this is a game with LSU. LSU, you know, has has a lot of big bodies, uh, certainly on the offensive line and at running back. They always seem to have that one big back that can give you a lot of problems. So, yes, tackling and just gang tackling, getting multiple guys on the ball. That's going to be a really a, a, a big key. And to, uh, you know, it's it's hard to stop that LSU offense. But uh, maybe if you can take away the run a little bit and that's Myers in instead of Daniels, um, you know, and get him in some third and long situations. uh uh, you know, maybe some good things can happen. Yeah, we're taping this on a Monday. So if you're listening to this later in the week, uh, that decision might be made on Jaden Daniels. So, of course, continue to check out the Gainesville Sun and, of course, uh, Koki at the Daily Advertiser in Lafayette, Louisiana. Of course, they'll have all of the reporting this week. So, you know, everybody stay up on that situation because that's going to have a big impact on this game. Now, probably a lot of people here in Florida, Koki, they don't know much about Logan Diggs, the running back on LSU. So, you know, tell us a little bit about him. Is he a power back, a speed back, big guy, small guy? Tell us who Logan Diggs is. Yeah, Diggs has been their most consistent back this season. Um, LSU's gone a little bit more to a committee over the last week or two. Uh, but at the same time, um, he's been more or less the main guy really since week two against Grambling State. Um, and uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty He's a pretty strong guy, um, really just a solid back who uh, knows how to hit the hole, is pretty good in pa- pass protection, um, stronger guy. He's not the most explosive back. He's not going to really run away from uh, too many guys, so don't expect him to be like a top three top three round pick in the NFL draft or anything like that. But um, he's just sort of the, the, steady, the steady Eddie uh, back. Uh, who is a little bit more talent than Josh Williams, who was their lead back last year. Um, so he's kind of given them an extra boost to that running back position, even with Williams returning. And Williams is kind of part of that rotation, uh, as is John Emery Jr., the former five-star running back, who hasn't quite lived up to that potential, but is still an option that they have out of the backfield. You have those three guys, and you even have the freshman Caleb Jackson, who has the most juice, I'd say, uh, out of all the running backs they have. He's the most explosive guy that they have, and he's also very, very strong. Um, I, I, I think maybe uh, some Florida fans saw uh, that highlight clip of an LSU running back bulldozing a Mississippi State defender back in week three. That was Caleb Jackson. He's a freshman. He's very, very talented. in a, um, And it's been impressive seeing his rise in a very crowded uh, LSU running backs for him. Yeah, certainly not what Florida fans want to hear, that they have a really good running back who's going to be joining the other really good running back behind the really good quarterback. So uh, not, not good heading into Louisiana as a 13-point underdog. But, you know, Kevin, when you look at LSU's defense, what will Florida try and do to be most effective on the offensive side of the ball? Is this a team that Graham Mertz can gash 
with, you know, big throws? Do they try and establish the run with Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson? Where do you see the weaknesses in LSU's defense? Well, uh, you know, the secondary certainly has had, you know, their moments uh, where where they've, uh, you know, had some uh, blown coverages and so forth. Um, so, I mean, this is a chance for another chance for Graham Mertz, who has been solid. Um, but again, um, a lot of it has been more horizontal passing than vertical passing. Um, throwing deep is not something that Mertz necessarily does well. He can connect at times, um, but he has been more short, you know, on the short and intermediate passes, more more accurate and hitting receivers in stride. And I think he'll continue to do so. Eugene Wilson uh, certainly has come on of late. The freshman receiver uh, had two more touchdowns uh, against Arkansas. He's had three TD catches his last two games. Um, and then, you know, running the football, Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson are both Louisiana natives. So you'd think they'd have maybe a little something uh, extra, you know, in terms of uh, incentive to come back to their home state and to show out really well in front of uh, the family and friends that are going to be there for them. Um, but of course, it comes down to this offensive line, which uh, certainly has uh, been up and down this year. And Kingsley Agak in the center remains banged up. Um, so it's going to be a question of, you know, can they open the holes uh, to get to, you know, the, uh, the the run game going? And, you know, ETN had a little bit of a shoulder issue um, you know, the last few weeks, um, but uh, looked to be fully healthy in the Arkansas game, had a nice touchdown run late in that game, a 26-yard, 41-yard catch also in that game as well. So I think this is a chance for both ETN and Montreal Johnson to kind of get back on track and, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in front of their home state and, and maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, uh, hit some big runs there here and there throughout that game. Hey, we saw just a couple of weeks ago that the Jaguars – and Trevor's older brother, Travis Etienne, went in there to the Superdome and scored two touchdowns. So maybe uh, Trevor will go into Louisiana and maybe he can score two rushing touchdowns. I'm sure plenty of Gator fans are hoping that. But Koki, why don't you tell us also a little bit about LSU's defense? What do they generally do well and what have they struggled with this season? Ooh, uh, what have they done well? Uh, that's that, that's a tricky that's a tricky thing to answer because they haven't done a lot well this year. They've been one of the worst defenses in Power Five football, um, and uh, I, I think a lot of people saw that against Alabama. I think a lot of people saw that against Ole Miss, especially when they gave fifty five points to Ole Miss. Um, and yeah, I, I mean their secondary has been uh, kind of a rotating door and a bit of a mess this season. Uh, they added four cornerbacks in the transfer portal. None of those players are are available um, uh, for them at the moment. And uh, Greg Brooks, uh, their captain and and safety and probably the best player in their secondary heading into the season, he's been out since week three after having emergency brain surgery before that game against um, uh, Mississippi State. He's been out ever since um, recovering from a rare form of brain cancer, which is obviously just terrible, terrible um, uh, news. And we all we all hope he's able to recover from that as soon as possible. But but like just strictly on the field, it's hurt them on the field as well. So um, considering all the absences they have in the secondary and the fact that heading into the season, the secondary was an issue was probably going to be an issue for this team or potentially one. Um, they're just in a really, really tough spot and, and, and it kind of limits what they can and can't do um, in coverage. And we, we saw a lot of those warts against Alabama. Uh, for example, I mean, LSU just wasn't as willing to uh, deploy spy against uh, Jalen Milrow. And, and one of the reasons why is because I, I, I'm pretty sure, and I think Kelly even admitted this too, that uh, th- they were hesitant in, 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 in you know, losing 
losing extra man in coverage because when you lose the extra man in coverage that ex- might expose some of the younger guys you're playing in the secondary already and uh it's just like you know trying to fix one hole pops up two other two more holes you know and that's kind of the state they're in on defense especially um especially against teams that have a dangerous passing attack and they just haven't done a very good job of um, slowing down those sorts of teams and against the run they've been okay they had a really poor game against the run against Ole Miss but um, and they didn't I, I don't they weren't very good against the run against Alabama even though most of that was just Jalen Milrow scrambling um, but yeah like I there's not I, it's hard to find like a real true strength for the LSU defense I guess it's just Harold Perkins existing and making plays in the field um, him, him him just as a wild card is a helpful for this team but I think overall, like the defense on this team, it's really hard to find too many bright spots just because, again, they've been so porous, especially against good offenses this season. Yeah, you know, as somebody who sat back and watched LSU from afar for many years as a Florida Gator grad than I am, it's surprising the last two years under Brian Kelly because LSU has always been kind of the defensive minded program. Yeah, they sent some great receivers to the NFL but usually it's defensive players. Has that been a big surprise or frustration among fans that Brian Kelly hasn't, you know, tr- brought that traditional LSU defense that fans are used to there? Well, last year the defense was pretty good. I think they were. I, I just looked looked up the research last year. I think they were fifteenth in the country in in defense according to ESPN's um, College Football Power Index. Uh, I think they were 34th in the country in points per game allowed. They were a pretty good unit last year. And uh, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the second, the piece, the pieces they were adding, adding, especially in the secondary were veteran guys, fifth year guys, seniors. And this year they couldn't really do that again because that just wasn't a very sustainable model. And they needed to create some sort of continuity and get some more youth, especially into that secondary. And um, we're seeing, uh, those growing pains this season, uh, especially in the back end. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, some, some more bad injury luck, like I mentioned with the guys in the secondary and even on the defensive line with a guy like Makai Wingo, who uh, has been their deep best defensive lineman for the last year and a half. He's he's out for this game and he'll, he may be out for uh, the rest of their season. And he wasn't available in the Alabama game either because of an injury. So uh, I, some of this is bad luck, like I've talked about, but some of this is also what you said, you know, just frustration from fans that this team, you know, just doesn't leverage very well. They don't tackle very well. And the leveraging has a lot to do with tackling, of course. So um, it, it's like fundamentals like that, even outside of scheme or even personnel, just like very basic things that you kind of take for granted when you're watching defensive football. Um, especially LSU defensive football, they're just not doing right now. I, I, and I think part, a lot of that obviously does have to do with coaching, but, um, yeah, there definitely is a frustration with how, um, with, with the, with the fan base, with how I guess poor they've been defensively, uh, this season. But I will say it, it, what makes it even more, more mystifying is that last year they were pretty decent defensively. All right. Well, on the other side there, Kevin, obviously the chorus of Billy Napier haters is growing louder and louder. If I'm Billy, I'm not turning my computer on or looking at any form of social media right now. Um, I know that the criticism, it, like I said earlier, it, it seems like it is starting to affect him. Do you think at some point he will listen to, you know, obviously he doesn't have to listen to the fans, but what if the athletic director or people uh, with a lot of influence at Florida finally say, look, Billy, I know you say, 
you want to keep calling the plays, but maybe it's time to let somebody else give that a try. What do you think of all that's going around surrounding Florida's head coach? Yeah, you know, I think there's a likelihood that there could be changes in the offseason in regards to the coaching staff. What they are remain to be seen, you know, whether you had a special teams coach, too, or someone that has some special teams responsibility in the full time staff uh, is a question right now. That's an analyst position. Um, so I do think that uh, it is interesting that, uh, you know, this is the first game back in, uh, you know, a state where he enjoyed a lot of success at Louisiana. Something I'm writing about this week. Um, maybe a good time to get out of the swamp, to get out of the dodge a little bit and to kind of reset here um, with some players, as I mentioned before, that were from the state of Louisiana that are going to come in there um, and, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, refresh and renew and and a chance to silence his critics if he could somehow pull off an upset here. But uh, uh, it won't be, uh, it'll be, it'll be tough sledding for sure. um, As, you know, I'm I'm kind of, chuckling about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Koki's comments about leverage and tackling <laughs> for Florida. That's been a, a season long issue. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's where this season is taking the biggest downturn is defensively the last month in September. It looked like a chance where looked like the defense, uh, could, could be an improved unit. Um, but, uh, maybe a little fool's gold there with regards to that. And, um, a lot of grumblings again about, the sideline confusion on special teams, having 10 guys on the field for field goals, things of that nature, um, that just come across as really sloppy to the fan base. Um, and I, I think that's that's where some of the frustration lies as well. And things that, you know, Napier said again today, you know, we'll fix it. We're playing a lot of young guys on special teams. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's a hard sell when it keeps happening over and over again. Yeah, I kind of had to chuckle in spite of myself when I saw your colleague David Whitley's column uh, saying that they wore those black uniforms. They wore black to their own funeral. Uh, just just not what Gator fans want to be seeing right now. But, you know, guys, this is the part of the podcast where I want to turn it over to you because, you know, I can watch them on TV. I can read all of the great work that you guys do together. But you guys are at practices. You're talking to people. So I'd like you to ask each other something that you would like to know about the other's team. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. What is something you would like to ask Koki about the LSU Tigers? Yeah, Cookie, I'm, uh, you know, I remember in the Las Vegas Bowl, Omar Spates was a guy that was one of the better players on the field uh, defensively for Oregon State. Now he's with LSU. I know he's been a little banged up, but I guess he's back. What what impact has he made on the defense and how important is he going to be on, you know, Saturday in terms of LSU trying to, you know, maybe get their inconsistent defense turned around? Yeah, his impact certainly hasn't been quite as big as I think a lot of LSU fans expected him to have or for it to be um i and i probably include myself in that as well um i i thought he was a guy who could come in and sort of fill you know the patrick queen damone clark role and kind of be that leader and that in that playmaker in the middle of lsu's defense and that really just hasn't been the case and i think part of that has to do with injury obviously as you mentioned um but i i And but a part of it's also because I think Greg Penn's just been the better linebacker for them um, in the inside uh, while uh, Perkins plays strong side and um, 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 and, you know, they have space in the middle and then they have Penn as well. So, um, yeah, it's just been a weird year for space. He hasn't made a huge impact um, defensively for them. He 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 just he's not making plays. You know, he's not I wouldn't say he's necessarily been 
the biggest problem for this defense. They have a lot of issues, but he's also not, you know, uh, plugging up holes for them, I, I I think. And he's not really making plays. He's not forcing turnovers, you know, tackles for loss. Any of that good stuff just isn't really happening from him at the moment. So um, he, he, that I, I think for LSU fans, that's been uh, kind of frustrating for to, to watch this season. All righty. And Koki, what is something you would like to ask Kevin about the Florida Gators? Yeah, uh, Kevin, I am kind of curious about Graham Mertz and sort of the season he's had this year. I, I think coming into this year, I kind of um, uh, kind of, I, I was really worried about what Florida would look like this year, j- just given uh, how poor he played at Wisconsin. So uh, how would you sort of evaluate his season? And is he good enough to uh, really expose the, the weaknesses of this LSU secondary, especially? Yeah, you know, Graham has had, a, I think, a nice year. Um, he does have weaknesses, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, he's not the most athletic guy. He's been sacked a lot. Some of that comes from the fact that he holds on to the ball too long. Some of that comes from the fact uh, that, uh, you know, the offensive line has not been um, great, you know, but, well, inconsistent, I'll say, in protecting him. It, it just isn't the same offensive line as last year with o- Osiris Torrance. Um, but, um, you know, still leading the SEC in completion percentage, a very accurate thrower, um, and a guy that gets the ball off on time on target, uh, most of the time. Um, and, and his, you know, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, both interceptions bobbles from receivers. So, um, has not really made that kind of, uh, bad, loud throw yet. Uh, and I think Florida fans are crossing their fingers and it won't happen for the rest of the season. Um, so I think he's been a, a I think he's been a, a pleasant surprise all in all um, in his ability to move the team. Now, you know, is he going to throw the ball consistently 40, 50 yards downfield? No, but he he can move the chains. Uh, he has moved the offense, and uh, he's a guy that uh, I think uh, can certainly, uh, you know, manage a game well. And, you know, if Florida had a halfway better defense, uh, maybe the results would, would show better in terms of uh, his record as a starter here. All righty. Well, listening to two of you guys talk, it seems as though both of you probably would be leaning toward LSU maybe outright winning this game. But with a 13-point spread, if you're putting a sawbuck on the game and LSU is favored by 13, would you put your money on LSU or Florida? And I'll remind Kevin that both he and Mark Weiser uh, chose Florida and the 15.5 points against Georgia, and they both would have lost. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. Do you go with Florida and 13, or do you go with LSU? You know, I think if Jaden Daniels is playing, I would go minus 13. Maybe if Nussmeyer is playing, maybe it's more of a game for Florida because I think that's how good Jaden Daniels is. So um, I'll just go with a, a split disclaimer there. If Jaden Daniels is playing, uh, I would uh, lay the 13 with LSU. If Nussmeyer is playing, I'll uh, I'll take the points on the road and, and take my chances and maybe Florida plays a closer game. Yeah, there you go. So again, you're going to want to stick with Koki's work at theadvertiser.com to find out what's going to happen there. Koki, what would you take or would you do kind of a similar thing with Kevin based on Jaden Daniels' playing ability? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Kevin here. Um, I I think there's a good shot that Florida covers either way. This LSU defense has been that, I guess, porous this season. I think this Florida offense is good enough to keep this game close, at least, even if Daniels plays. Um but I think if you put a gun to my head, if Daniel Daniels plays, LSU covers barely. Um, but if uh, Daniels doesn't play, I'd be shocked if Florida doesn't cover, honestly. Um, 
it's and I could see Florida winning the game outright if Daniels doesn't play. Like I, I think he's hmm. that important, and I think LSU's defense is that not very good right now. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard to have that much. It, it's hard to it's hard to pick LSU as to win by double digits um with this sort of defense when they're going up against an offense that's uh, that's better than okay and i think this uh, that's that's not bad i should say um and i, I don't think this Florida Florida offense is bad at all so um yeah like i it, i um, I, f- I feel pretty good about florida covering in this game especially if nussmeyer um uh plays I'll interject another thing, too. I don't know what the over-under is, but if it's uh, anything under 80, take the over. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Good, good advice right there. <laughs> I Again, agree with that, game, too. Yeah, and a nighttime game, 7.30 p.m. Now, Kevin, after LSU, uh, if Florida doesn't beat the Tigers, they have Missouri and Florida State remaining. Can they get one more win to become bowl eligible, or do they finish the season with five wins? Yeah, I think it's looking like five wins at this point. Um, because let's not forget to Missouri, a seven thirty game in late November. It's you know my guess is you're, you're talking about temperatures in the forties and the fifties. Florida never plays well in the cold weather, um, and uh, that Missouri team is coming off uh, probably a moral victory against Georgia, where they played in pretty tough, and and they're gonna have Tennessee too. That's going to be another tough game, but uh, unless uh, Brady Cook somehow gets injured, um, I think Missouri will will beat him, and then uh, you're coming back to the swamp with uh, Florida State uh, as well, which is uh, you know going for a perfect season. And Jordan Travis, they had issues stopping him last year, um, and in, in some ways, I think uh, the defense is projecting to be worse at this point this year uh, compared to last year, especially if with all the injuries uh, that are mounting here with Shamar James being out, of course, the rest of the season. So it's just going to be a really hard road um, for them to get one. Um, but, uh, um, you know, football is an unpredictable game. But right now I would say five and seven, uh, that's the season that they're looking at and plenty of uh, questions for Billy Napier heading into the offseason. Yeah, certainly. We'll have to see what goes on there. And, you know, Koki on the other side, LSU, let's say they win. They have Georgia State, which they'll most likely win, and Texas A&M, which they'll be favored against. The Aggies could pull off an upset, but let's say they get that one and finish the season 9-3. and three. Does Brian Kelly consider that a successful season? And how about the fan base? I don't think the fan base considers that as a successful season. Just look at my comments section. Um uh <laughs> on twitter uh so but uh as for brian kelly it, it, we, he, he talked a lot about he talked about a lot of big picture ideas um during his press conference today about you know the fans expectations his expectations what it takes to be an elite program all that sort of stuff and my takeaway from all that was that he doesn't quite he doesn't think this team is quite ready for to be Alabama or to be Georgia or to beat those teams, let alone be them. So, um, and, uh, he kind of hinted at that at the very beginning of the season where he said, we're a year away from being where we want to be. And I think this year has certainly, um, shown that. And, um, I, I think a lot of us, probably myself included, jumped the gun on this team. They were the number five team in the country for a reason. People were picking them to make the college football playoff like myself and uh, we were all wrong. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anyone expected their defense to be as bad as it's been. I think that's been a very disappointing uh, p- 
piece of their team, even though I don't think they should. I, I just wrote about this, but I, I literally just wrote about this, but I don't think they should be uh, firing everybody necessarily from their defensive staff because of, you know, nine bad games when they were pretty good last year. So, um, yeah, like I, 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 I just think overall, I think Kelly thinks that if they finish the year 10, 10 and three, it'll be a solid season and um, not as exciting and promising as last year was and sort of the highs of beating Alabama and winning the SEC West and making the SEC championship game and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it won't be a, a an obvious step in the wrong direction either. So um, I, I, I think Kelly will think this year will be trend, treading, will be like treading water as long as they win these next three games and win their bowl game. Um, but if they don't and, but if they don't, then I, I think it will be a pretty clear step back for, um, uh, not 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 just in the eyes of the fans, but uh, in the eyes of Kelly as well. So it's going to be it, yeah, it's it's um, the the air has definitely come out of the balloon on this season, especially after the Alabama loss. But um, they they still have, I, I guess, something to play for in terms of optic, optics of like how how do we remember this season? Yeah, certainly. And, you know, they don't have a bad loss this season. I mean, they lose to number 10 Mississippi, yeah. number eight Alabama. And at the time, I'm not sure what Florida State is, but they're number four now. So, and, you know, Florida's still got Florida State coming up. And that's a good time for me to plug my other podcast, which is out this week for Florida State and Miami. So check that out wherever you get podcasts, which is probably the same place you got this podcast. So, you know, check those out. But covering college football in a great way. And I got to plug one more time. You can find all of Kevin's work at Gainesville.com. You can find all of Cokie's work at TheAdvertiser.com. And Kevin, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, at Kevin Brockway G1. And Cokie, where can people find you? At Cokie Riley. Uh, no spaces. K-O-K-I. Alrighty, sounds good. Guys, I really do appreciate you coming on the show, Koki. It's been great meeting you and talking to you, and we look forward to having you on again. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Certainly. And Kevin, as always, it's great to talk to you. And again, we'll be talking here in a few weeks when Florida State meets Florida at the Swamp. Yes, thank you, uh, Tim. As always, a uh, pleasure to be on. And that will do it for another episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote national championship winning LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, currently with the Cincinnati Bengals, if you've got a good steak, you don't need A1 sauce. I couldn't agree more, Joe. My steaks never need sauce. But my podcasts always need audience, so eat some tasty steak and join me again next time. 